Well, good morning, and as we've already said, happy Mother's Day to all of our moms. It is great to have you here with us, especially this morning. I am talking today about one of history's great moms as we are continuing along in our series, Make a Difference, Becoming a Person of Influence. And this morning, we're focusing that influence on the subject of our families. We're going to take a look at the life of one of the most influential moms of all time, at Mary, the mother of Jesus. There are just a few verses in the Bible about her life, but they show us an inspiring woman and a mom whose life we can learn from today as we try to make a difference in the lives of our children, our spouses, our siblings, our parents, even our extended family. And as we influence each other in family, our families can in turn then make a difference in the culture around us. Our text this morning is going to come from the book of Luke, chapter 1. We'll be looking there in just a moment. Beginning in verse 28, we see a passage of Scripture where the Bible describes how God sent one of the angels of heaven, an angel named Gabriel, to speak to a young woman, really a young girl, named Mary, in the nation of Israel. This young girl was pledged to be married to a man named Joseph in the days ahead. Gabriel the angel came to Mary and said these words, beginning in verse 28. Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High. How will this be, Mary asked, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you, and so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And Mary answered, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that as we look into this scripture this morning and we consider this subject, becoming a person of influence, we trust you to speak to us today about how we can be an influence in our own family. Speak to us to that end and empower us toward that goal. In Jesus' name, amen. First this morning, as we consider this idea of being an influence in our family, it starts with this. We have to be willing. The Bible says in Luke chapter 1 verse 29 that Mary was troubled and afraid at the message the angel brought her. And in verse 34 it says that she was confused because what he had told her simply didn't make any sense. And who wouldn't be troubled, afraid, and confused in an encounter like that? Think about it for just a moment. An angel appears to you, an obscure teenager among an entire nation. Why would an angel come to me? And he says, greetings, you who are highly favored. Why would I ever be highly favored by God? Well, you're going to give birth. What do you mean? I'm going to give birth. I'm a teenage girl. I'm not even married. Well, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. The power of the Most High is going to overshadow you. What does that even mean? You're a teenage girl. You have no context for, for what, how this is going to take place in your life. Well, we today read that and we have the, the privilege of 2,000 years of history to contextualize it and understand it. But to that young girl alone in that nation at that day, you would be troubled, afraid, and confused. How could she, an unmarried virgin, give birth and be the mother to God's very son on earth and influence to him throughout his life? She knew instinctively whatever that would mean for her, it would be an enormous responsibility and would not be easy. 
and influence, especially in families, with those who know us the best and know us at our worst. Influence isn't easy. So before we can be a good influence, we have to be willing to do so, just as Mary evidenced that she would be. The word influence literally means inflow, a flowing in of unseen power to affect human life. It's an imperceptible action exerted to cause change in someone else. There's a substance, a power to influence. It moves people. It's a force. It's a weight that you have to be willing to carry. It's no small thing to influence, to affect, or change the course of a human life. We can be an influence for good or for bad, with what we say or don't say, with what we do or don't do. To be a good influence, to take action that causes change in someone else, that takes effort and intention and is not something that can be taken lightly. At times, influence can be positive. It can be inspirational. It can be instructive. It can even be fun. At other times, the responsibility of influence can be overwhelming. You have to be willing to say the hard thing, to be unpopular at times, even within your own family, to live for others more than yourself, to risk what other people will think of you, to make hard decisions, to set boundaries, to enact tough love or discipline, all to be a good influence. At times, being an influence won't seem logical. It will require courage, faith, and determination. But good things happen when we, like Mary, are willing to take on the responsibility of influence in our own families. You have to be willing to influence your family to do the right thing, even when it's the hard thing to do. One summer, a number of years ago, our family was vacationing at Black Butte Ranch in Central Oregon. Our children, Stephen and Stephanie, were very young at the time. I think our son was six and Stephanie was four. Early one morning, Stephanie and I jumped in the car to run down to the market there at the ranch to pick up a morning newspaper. It was a beautiful summer morning. The sun was shining, the birds were singing, the air was cool and crisp. We drove our car through the wonderful tree-lined drives of, of the ranch there, and there were wonderful views just rolling out across the meadows. And it was just a great time being with my adorable, innocent, little four-year-old girl. We got to the store, we went in, I was looking around for the newspapers, but Stephanie was much more captivated by the long aisle of candy that stretched out through the center of that store. I said, honey, it is seven in the morning, we are not going to get candy right now, but we'll come back. Later in the day, we'll get something then. I eventually found the newspapers. I purchased one, and I called for Stephanie, and we headed back out to the car. When I leaned down to pick Stephanie up to set her back in her car seat, I noticed we had a problem. When we had gone into the store, her stomach was perfectly flat. But when we had come out, there was now a conspicuous protrusion sticking straight out from her stomach, several inches right out in front of her. It looked like Pinocchio's nose growing from underneath her sweater. And I discovered in that moment, under that little white sweater, was a giant Tootsie Roll and the potential heart of a future criminal. <laughs> Not a very good criminal, mind you. I mean, that Tootsie Roll was sticking straight out there for God and everybody to see but a criminal nonetheless. Right then I knew I had a decision to make. I could slap her hand and I could just brush off this incident and I could go on about our beautiful day. Or I could do the hard thing. I could confront this future menace to society who sat beside me. 
And I knew in that moment that if I didn't exert some influence, I would not be caring for my daughter. So I asked my once innocent little girl what she had done, and she immediately just burst into tears. We talked about what she had done, what the Bible says about honesty and how Jesus wants us to live, and then I took her by the hand and we took that long walk back into the store so she could return the candy to the clerk. With tears in her eyes, she gave it back and she apologized for what she had done, and that was a quick end to an otherwise great day. But it was a critical moment in her life that called for influence and a chance that I had to help my family prepare for life outside of correctional institutions here in the great state of Oregon. (laughs) But I had to be willing to do the hard thing to cause a little girl to cry and to ruin a great morning to influence her for her future at the expense of a moment. We asked her recently if she had ever stolen anything again, to which she emphatically replied, no way, I never wanted to go through that again. Why? Because influence can change the course of a human life. It can be hard at times. It isn't always fun or timely. But it's necessary to take or make those opportunities when needed in order to build strong families. And that starts with being willing. At other times, like with Mary, you have to be willing to influence even when it doesn't make any sense. In December, we all watched in horror as a gunman went on a shooting spree at Clackamas Town Center here in our city, firing off 60 rounds from a semi-automatic rifle, killing two people, seriously wounding a 15-year-old girl, and traumatizing countless shoppers and family members connected to that shooting that day. In the weeks following that tragedy, a young woman named Jenna, the 24-year-old daughter of one of the two victims of that shooting, slipped into a community meeting just to listen to a discussion on gun safety. She had no plans to say anything that night, but after being urged by a friend through the course of the evening, she finally stood up and shocked the room by saying these words, My mother was killed at Clackamas that night. And I just wanted to say, thank you all for being here. The room fell deafeningly quiet. And then one by one, all around the room, people just began to cry. Nobody knew that Jenna was there that night. And they were surprised that she had the courage to even come and speak at such a difficult time and such a confusing time in her life. Jenna was shocked as well at their response. And in an instant, she was struck by the power and influence of her own horrific experience. And she realized in that moment, I can make a difference simply by speaking up. Though it made no sense to her why her mom would have been shot and died in that rubble of broken glass and tile in the center of the mall that day, she realized it did not have to end there. That for the rest of her family and for other families in this community and beyond, she could make a difference. She could help others by using the influence that had come to her through unfair circumstances which made no sense to her or anyone else. The influence that was given to Mary was confusing and made no sense. That it fell to her, an obscure virgin girl, to bear a child. And what she was to do with that influence, to be the teenage mom to God's very son on earth, an influence to him throughout his life. And so with Jenna, though given a different kind of influence, she got it in a way that made no sense to her. The easier road for Jenna would have been to simply move on, to take care of herself and to try to forget 
the loss and the tragedy. But Jenna has accepted that influence given her and she's using it to work for safer controls for semi-automatic weapons. One of the saddest, most compelling verses in the Bible for me personally is found in the Old Testament in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 22, verse 30, where God said, And I looked for a man among them, among the nation of Israel, who would build up a wall, a wall of protection between God and the land, to stand before me in that gap on behalf of the nation so that I would not have to destroy it. But I found none. God was faced with judging Israel in that day for its sin, and he looked for someone who would, who would pray, who was willing to be an influence for the nation. But he found no one, and as a result, an entire nation had to be punished for its sin. No one was willing. At times, the responsibility of influence comes to us, and we may be tempted to say, no way, not me, not now. Let somebody else do this. But with Mary and with Jenna, and for us in our families, influence starts with being willing when it's difficult, when it doesn't make any sense. And when we are willing, our families can be blessed because of it. Secondly, this morning, as we consider this topic of, of becoming an influence in family, we have to put our family first. After the angel told Mary what was to happen, that she, a teenager, an unmarried girl, a virgin, was going to be pregnant without having even been with a man. In the midst of that strict, conservative, religious culture of the day, how did this young girl respond? Well, she did not panic. She didn't argue. She didn't try to negotiate the terms. She didn't refuse. She did not ask for an explanation or a plan of how she personally would be kept safe in these circumstances. She simply said this, I am the Lord's. May it be to me as you have said. That is such a powerful statement. It's not easily said or lived out. It has no limits. It means total sacrifice. For Mary in that day, that could have meant losing her reputation, her family, her friends, her fiance, and all of the security that would provide throughout her life. Perhaps it would even mean losing her life itself in that culture. From the beginning, Mary demonstrated that her life was not her own. She was willing to put her son, her family, before herself, whatever that meant for her. She was willing to risk everything of self, to pay any price, in order to be the mother to this child and the influence that he would need her to be. Becoming an influence to our family means that we put them first. We put their needs before our own, even when it means a sacrifice to self. Growing up, I saw that example in the life of my own mom. My mom worked outside of the home all during my growing up years. When my siblings and I were about 11 or 12 years old, we started staying home alone during the summer. Inevitably, as siblings do, we fought. We fought about everything. We fought about snacks. We fought about TV. We fought about games, about friends, about toys. Whatever it was in our way, we would fight. And somehow we imagined that the only way to solve these tremendous conflicts in our home was to call our mom at work multiple times per day to resolve these conflicts. To us, this was no big deal. It was like magic. You would just pick up the phone, you would dial 1-800-MOM, and it would all just go away. But now, as an employee in the workplace, I can imagine that having your children call you five, six times a day to decide who gets the bigger cookie, that could be a problem. 
But mom always took the time for our calls, no matter what spot that put her in, in front of her boss, in front of her coworkers, in front of whatever was going on at work. Time that she spent guiding, helping, and influencing us literally every day. Then she would come home at night. She got off work about 5 o'clock. She would roll into the house about 5.15. She'd come in the house in her high heels, her nylons, and her dress. She would walk straight into the kitchen, and by 5.18 or 5.20, I'd hear pans clanking in the kitchen night after night as she began to prepare our family dinner. We would sit down around the table together, and we would talk, time that my parents spent for influence. She would clean the kitchen, she would get us all settled before she would finally go up to her room to change her clothes and get a little bit more comfortable after work herself. She'd reemerge from her room, she would come and help us with our homework or whatever problem we had going on, more time with influence, and eventually she would tuck us in when we were younger after a 15-hour day to finally have a moment to herself. On Saturday mornings, she would get up, she would make a big family breakfast so again we could sit around the table and talk for times of influence. Then she'd clean the house, she would grocery shop, she would run errands, she would help us with more of our stuff, a.k.a. influence. On Sundays, she would get us ready for church, pop a roast in the oven, we would go to church for some influence. We'd come home, she would make that big roast meal so we could all sit around the table one more time for a time of influence. Then she would clean up, take a little time off in the afternoon. Then she'd come back to the kitchen, make another meal for us, pop some popcorn, and we would all sit around together as a family Sunday evening, week after week, watching the wonderful world of Disney on Sunday night. Monday morning, that routine, it started all over again. Week in and week out. 24-7, putting family first sacrificing self, and influencing family all along the way. Honestly, I get exhausted just thinking about that story and that, and that example that my mom set. Many of you had a mom like that, and if you did, just take out your phone right now and send her a text and just say, I'm sorry. I am sorry for what I did to you all of those years. <laughs> Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 13, greater love has no one than this, than he lay down his life for his friends. Well, how much more important then is laying down our life for our family, putting them first, no matter what the sacrifice for self, no matter how busy or tired or important our business may be compared to theirs. Putting family first is something that we all aspire to, but to really do that, to really put family before self, because let's face it, we're all just a little bit more selfish than we want to be, or want to admit to being, to really put family first, well, now that takes effort and it takes sacrifice. Putting family first also means that we have to be there for our families no matter what. Often influence is more caught than taught. It can come through instruction and guidance for sure, but often it comes as a result of our family watching us and catching what we have, the impression of our lives on theirs. And because of that, being, for their, being there for them matters. Your presence makes a difference for your family. Them knowing you are there for them no matter what the circumstance. When our children were little and would be sick in the night or have trouble sleeping, they would come and stand beside my bed. They'd put a little hand on my shoulder and they'd shake me until I woke up. I would roll out of bed and take them by the hand and we would walk back to their room 
I would make sure they were okay and then I would tuck them in and then I would lay down on the floor beside them every night that this happened. We would both fall asleep and with the exception of an occasional rug burn or a sore back in the morning, we would both feel better the next day. They felt better, whether sick or scared, just knowing I was in the room with them. Why? Because presence makes a difference. I was never excited about sleeping on the floor those nights, not one single time, I promise you. But putting them first, being there for my family, even in the simple things, that was more important than what was good for me. When it comes to influence, presence matters. It makes a difference whether we're there or whether we're not there. And oftentimes, it's not convenient. And that's why influence is so valuable. It happens when it's important for them, not for us. As a child, my mom being there for me all of those times, that mattered to me. And that influenced me in turn to be there for my children later in life. Influence. Being there for our family provides profound influence in the form of security, comfort, and support that can have lasting impressions on their lives. Lastly this morning, as we think about becoming an influence in family, we have to believe in them no matter what. Few things are more important in life than knowing that somebody believes in you. Mary believed in Jesus from before he was born, throughout his life, through his death, and through his resurrection. Maybe the most powerful view of that comes at the cross itself when in Luke chapter 23 verse 49 it says, and all those who knew Jesus stood off at a distance watching these things happen. Jesus on the cross. All those except Mary, Jesus' mother, Mary's sister, a family friend, and Jesus' closest friend, the Apostle John, who we see together, those four, in John chapter 19, standing together with the courage to be with Jesus at the foot of the cross. In those moments before Jesus willingly gave his life for them and for us here today, he looked down from the cross and he asked John to care for Mary as she had cared for him. He had known her belief in him all of his life and I'm sure that her belief strengthened him again that day. To believe in a person is the same word as to believe in God. It's a trusting in something we cannot see. It involves having faith in that person, knowing that that person will come through. It implies a sure confidence in them, a firm conviction that something unseen will happen because you believe in that person's goodness or ability to see it through. To say, I believe in you, is no small statement. It's a conviction of heart, and it says to the hearer, this person is on my side like no one else, and they are a proof that I can do whatever it is that lies before me. It's not hoping that they can, it's knowing that they can and transferring that belief to them. Believing in our family can empower them to do unimaginable things. It's like a fuel on the fire. It can ignite them because it reminds them no matter what odds they face, somebody knows they can do it. Recently, uh, a young lady by the name of Mary Owen, a 23-year-old George Fox University student, experienced the power of belief in a very unique way in her life. She set out on a Sunday just a few weeks ago for a 13-hour hike to the summit of Mount Hood. 
but she got caught in a snowstorm late in the day. She got lost, turned around, and she fell over a cliff, tumbling 40 feet over jagged rock and gashing open her leg. She was left in a condition where she was unable to walk, so all she could do was dig a hole in the side of that mountain and try to hold on until help arrived. Every day she would crawl out from her hole, she would crawl along the ridgeline and out into a clearing where she hoped that somebody might see her. But nobody came. Her small food supply that was meant to only last for a few hours, she tried to stretch. She made it last for three days, but it ran out. And then she said she began to lose hope, perhaps even the will to survive. A believer in Jesus, she said of the low times, I kept thinking, where is everybody? Usually when people are looking for you and praying for you, you can feel it. But there was nothing. It was just dead quiet. I didn't hear or feel anything. And that was really hard. Then after five nights, in deadly conditions on that mountain, Mary woke Friday morning and said, the silence was gone. I woke up with a lot of peace and a sense that thousands of people were praying for me and believing that I would make it. And that was really powerful. I thought, today is the day they're going to find me. In sensing the belief of others, she began to believe again herself. That night, a plane did fly over, though it did not see her, and yet she remained empowered by the sense that people believed in her to make this and see it through. She crawled back to her hole. She spent the night again, and Saturday morning, she crawled back out, crawled along that ridgeline and out into that clearing, where at last, a rescue helicopter spotted her and rescued her after six days on that mountain alone. It was a rescue that was made possible because people believed in her to find a way to survive. And she felt that. And she hung on to it until help did come. Mary's eventual sense that her family and friends believed in her inspired her to fight and to overcome harrowing circumstances in those days. Did you notice that when she didn't feel anyone's belief, she was in trouble? But once she felt that they did believe, it empowered her. Well, here's the deal. They were believing all along, but it didn't help her because she didn't yet realize it. To have influence in your family, you can't just believe. Your family has to know that you believe, and it's up to us to make sure that they do. What enabled, what enabled Jesus to face the horror of the crucifixion? Being nailed to a cross is agonizing enough, but a slow death that comes from suffocation in a crucifixion, that was excruciating. Yes, Jesus was fully God, but the Bible says he was also fully man and he experienced the same thoughts and emotions that we would go through facing a trial like that. He didn't want to face the cross. He prayed in scripture, Father, if there's any way, let this cup pass from me. But doing God's will, the mission that God sent before him, that compelled him. And knowing that God the Father Mary, his mother, and one day, you and I sitting in this room this morning would believe in him. That strengthened him to face the unimaginable. Believing enables family to overcome, to achieve, to make a difference wherever they find themselves, to accomplish beyond what they can do on their own. And an important part of that believing is encouragement because it helps our family become all they were intended to be. Believing is a commitment of support, and encouragement is the next step in that. It says why we believe, and why they can believe themselves. 
We help them see their gifts, their potential. We remind them of their character and that God is in this with them. And that because of who created them and who is in this with them, they can do great things. Encouragement is much more than a compliment or a pep talk. It literally means to put courage into someone, to give them inner strength, to incite them to action, to embolden them. When we encourage someone, we elevate that person beyond what they were able to do on their own. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as you are doing. And in Hebrews 3.13, encourage each other daily. As human beings, in facing the challenges in life, we all need a little encouragement. We all need a little courage put into us along the way. 46-year-old mom, Aishwa Minja, and her six children came to Portland four years ago from the war-torn African country of Congo. Her husband had been shot to death in their home before she and her children, then ages 5 to 15, escaped that country to come to Portland as refugees. Right after arriving here, Aishwa was diagnosed with terminal lung cancer that immediately began to deteriorate her health. But in spite of a lifetime of hardship, she found joy in everyday life and she influenced her family with hope and determination. Despite the time and the energy demands of her own cancer and the treatment for that, she learned the English language in those four years and she became a certified nursing assistant, modeling for her children how to build their own sense of purpose. She influenced her kids with the importance of bettering yourself and serving others. And she encouraged her children to go to college. She put courage into their hearts so that they could become all they were meant to be. She saw potential in each one of those six kids and she emboldened them to discover it themselves even though she would no longer be there to help them. Recently, Aishwa passed away. And now orphans, her six children, live on with that legacy of encouragement. Courage that their mom instilled in them before she died. Her oldest son, Hussein, is 19 years old right now. He plans to be a surgeon. He's been accepted to three universities to pursue that dream. The next oldest sister is Amida. She's graduating from Franklin High School here in the city this year. She wants to become a nurse. These first two kids out of the home are following their mom's influence to help others in the field of medicine, fueled by the influence and the encouragement she gave them with four more kids still yet to come. And who knows what these six kids will become someday and what, lot, what impact their lives will have on others as doctors, as nurses, or more. Maybe on your life or mine. It will come largely from the influence of a mom who believed in her kids, who inspired them and encouraged them to make a difference in society by becoming who they were purposed to be. Believing in our family and encouraging them strengthens and empowers them to be who God created them to be. And as they do, their lives can influence the culture as God works through them. The Bible says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And that's the way influence spreads from one person to another inside our families and then beyond. My wife, Megan, is a great mom as well. They say that men think and process like waffles and women like spaghetti. 
That is totally true for my wife and I. As I think and process, everything in my brain has a box. It's all laid out like a waffle. Everything's on a grid. Nothing touches. Nothing needs to connect. I just deal with everything on its own. But for my wife, it all runs together. It's just all one big pile sitting on that plate. All her thoughts, all her feelings, all her emotions, they all commingle and they're all working together all of the time. She's constantly thinking about family no matter what she's doing. She knows their schedules. She senses and anticipates what they're going through, what they're feeling. She's always thinking about them, talking about them before self. She's supporting, caring, and being there for them no matter what, with little text messages, with phone calls, with little gifts, with love and support. She's always willing, always putting family first, and always believing in them. She's truly the best family influencer that I know. Recently, she and I were out shopping downtown Portland, just puttering around, not looking for anything. We had no agenda. We weren't trying to buy anything. We stepped into a little store, and she spots a little green scarf with a mustache pattern printed all over it. And away that thing went back to our home to our daughter, Stephanie, who loves and collects mustache items. <laughs> Stephanie, was, <laughs> Stephanie was very happy to get that scarf, but I know that more important than that scarf, she valued the message that that scarf represented. She knew it meant that her mom is always thinking about her, caring for her, and what's important to her. In things great or small, like a little green scarf. And that her mom will always believe in her and always be there for her, no matter what. And because that message has value to Stephanie, I know someday, because of being influenced by her mom, Stephanie is going to have influence on her children in much the same way. And that's the power of influence in family. That unseen power that affects human life. It moves from one person to another and then beyond. It comes by being willing, by putting family first, and by believing in them no matter what. And that's the example that we see in the life of Mary. And when we influence our family in that way, that influence spreads from one person to another, inside and outside the home. And through that, our families can then make a difference in culture.